and welcome to Twigged, a light-hearted plant-based podcast exploring some of the vegetal roots of history and folklore. I'm Alex, a decidedly inexpert plant and history enthusiast. When I've got some spare time, I like to spend it stomping around the countryside trying to figure out which plants I can eat and which ones I can't. And I'm joined by my dear friend and absolute plant-eating expert, Alice. Hi, I'm Alice, and um, Alex asked me to do this podcast, so I said, yeah, cool, that sounds great. (laughs) I have no qualifications other than having grown up in the countryside on a farm and spending a lot of my childhood running around through forests. (laughs) And I've been spending a lot of lockdown cooking and baking and creating new recipes, so I'm hoping to learn about what I can find to pick and eat locally and turn into something delicious. Your childhood sounds like my adulthood. Yeah, yeah, we've swapped. (laughs) I spent my childhood in the city uh, pretending to be a grown-up and going to shops, and now I've discovered that running through forests is way more fun. Yeah, I mean, it was. I had a lovely time, but I lived in a tiny village, and then I moved to a big city, and then a bigger city, and then an even bigger city, and I was like, oh my god, all the stuff here, this is cool. (laughs) Oh, I remember being able to go to stuff. Yeah. I never thought I'd miss, like, being up someone's armpit in in the queue for a pub drink. Um, I mean, I don't miss the armpits on the tube. I don't know, I think I might miss the armpits. Oh, really? I don't know. I feel feel lonely. (laughs) Oh, you're like human contact. I can smell this person. (laughs) Just let me nuzzle in here. (laughs) (laughs) So this week I picked something a little bit out of the blue. Uh, I picked the rowan tree, which you might recognise if you live in the UK or in Northern Europe uh, or Northern Asia or some parts of North America and New Zealand. I think that's all the bits that I have seen that they are... Well, they're not native to North America and New Zealand. They were brought there, but those are where they... (laughs) that's where they be those rowan trees (laughs) so i read northern hemisphere anywhere up to the himalayas oh that's really cool because they like to grow in really like rocky cold terrain don't they yeah like mountains are kind of their their jam yeah that's pretty cool that they get so far so they're kind of medium-sized trees that can grow up to about 15 metres high and they have really distinctive leaves and berries. Um, you talk about the leaves because I don't know how to say pennant. No, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So uh, the leaves on the roan tree are super distinctive. They look a bit like ash tree leaves, but they're not from the same family. And so they've got pinnet leaves or pinnate. We still haven't figured out how to pronounce it. So, yeah, so it's basically a stem with little leaflets coming off of it. And these little leaflets have serrated edges. So they really look like feathers or ferns, which is really cool. That's really cool. And also they have berries, obviously. It's not obvious, is it? Um, (laughs) The rowan trees have berries and they start off an orange colour and they can stay orange for a while. And then when they are fully ripened, they become like a deep blood red. And I think they stay August until November. I really, I'm not good at the lingo. (laughs) The berries stay. They are here with us. (laughs) This is very much a layperson's podcast. And if you are a plant expert and you're listening to this, there are better things you could be doing with your time. (laughs) Go and read a book by somebody else. 
Um, and then you have, yeah, so the berries are in the autumn, but in the springtime they have these beautiful little flowers, cream colored, like delicate cream colored flowers, creamy yeah, white with lovely. a little, yeah, they're gorgeous, aren't they? With little yellow uh, inner bits for the expert term, the inner Those bits. Those little pokey bits, what do you call <laughs> yeah, them? the pokey bits. I think they're either pistils or stamens, but I could be wrong. That This yeah. is like grade five biology that I'm trying to remember. And then we're going to come to my very favorite question in the entire podcast. Yay! Alice, can you eat it? Yes! You can! This is with some caution because there are some sources that say that it has a certain amount of toxicity, particularly in the seeds. But in general, you can. It's best to cook them because some of that those toxins are broken down by heat. But yeah, the... Berries can be used to make syrup, alcoholic beverages, and jelly, which I have made. And I've told Alice this story already. But caution about the the Rowan jelly. If you make it right, apparently it tastes good. But if you make it wrong, it tastes very, very bad. <laughs> My partner and I made some in August, which is, I think, too early to pick the berries. Uh, they were really intensely bitter. And I think it's always a bitter jelly, but this one was too bitter, which we realized too late once we'd already started. We didn't put an equal part of apples in it, which I think you're meant to do. And so we had to run out and try to get some black... We were near some blackberry bushes, so we grabbed a bunch of those, and we grabbed some herbs, and we tried to throw in as much sugar as, as it would take. Um, this jam has now been labeled with, like, jam for enemies. Do you um, still have it all? Oh, all of it, Alice. We don't oh, have wow. that many enemies. <laughs> you need to, like, I don't know, find somebody you really don't like and just... <laughs> So I have seen some really nice sounding recipes. A lot of them, well, they're all jellies, as you say. So they've strained out the um, the skins and the seeds. And there's lots of recipes for rowan and apple jelly. Although I think every, even if it doesn't stay at apple, all recipes will have apple in them, as you say, to bring the much needed sweetness. And then I've seen some really nice sounding uh, rowan and rosemary jelly. But Ooh. it's also got the apples in there as well for the sweetness and quite a lot of sugar. Oh, that sounds much better than what we did. So there is some record of being able to use other parts of the rowan tree for either food or medicinal purposes. You can use the bark, twigs, buds, flowers, leaves and sap as well. Well, the medicinal purposes are very much historic medicinal purposes. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend using it for any of these. Not a doctor. Uh, <laughs> not a doctor, not a botanist, not an anything. <laughs> Don't take advice from podcasters. But it was in the past used to treat issues like uh, stomach problems, bleeding, sore eyes, rheumatism, asthma, colds, diarrhea, hemorrhoids, menstrual cramps, and scurvy, which actually makes a lot of sense because they're really rich in vitamin C, the, the berries. And also there was a, a decoction of the bark was used to make an antifungal vaginal douche, which sounds truly horrendous to me. Antifungal? Antifungal, yeah, I guess. It was something about, like, discharge. I don't know. Uh, it's interesting to know that they were onto some, like, they were right with some of those things with the high levels of vitamin C. I don't know how they managed to find cures for all of the other things with it. <laughs> I mean, diarrhea and hemorrhoids, it sounds like your rowan jelly might give you those things. <laughs> That and like immeasurable sadness as you eat it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, great. Let's talk a little 
bit about uh, just some general fun facts about the Rowan. Okay, so the Rowan is part of the Rose um, or Rosaceae family. Oh gosh, I shouldn't try and say that. <laughs> Even though the flowers actually don't really resemble roses at all. Uh, the genus is Sorbus and uh, Rowan as a name applies to a few different types of species of Sorbus. But in the UK, we tend to have the Sorbus aucuparia. Oh. Pronunciation, question mark. No, your pronunciation sounds good. Okay, good. <laughs> Thanks, Alice. I'm going to go with it. Let's just assume it's right. <laughs> and there are a ton of names for it, aren't there? Yeah, so um, just a few of the names are Mountain Ash, Lady of the Mountains, Wayfarer's Tree, Traveller's Tree, Witchwigan Tree, Wizard's Tree, Quickbeam, Rodden Quicken, Whispering Tree, Wigan, uh, Witch Wood, Witch Bane, Rune Tree, Thor's Helper, Bird Catcher, and the last one. <laughs> CH like lock. Coroon. Great. Is that right? In my mind, it was like Haroon, like lock. Lock. Haroon. Cool. And the last one, bird catcher. (laughs) (laughs) The berries also used to be used for dyes, actually. We forgot to mention that when we talked about um, the uses of it. I I think berries were sometimes used as a red dye, as well as what the Druids used it for, which is they would mix the berries and bark and make a black dye for their ceremonial clothes. Ah. Yeah, for their lunar ceremonies, which kind of brings us neatly into folklore. There's a lot of folklore about Rowan, isn't there? So many stories. I spent a lot of time on the Pitt Rivers Museum website because I'd been there actually, I think last year at some point, and I've actually seen one of the little amulets of Rowan. Oh, cool. It's such a cool museum. You can open all these little antique looking drawers and uh, there are little uh, glass protectors under them and then you've got lots of cool bits underneath and and tiny charms. and and That sounds like a lovely museum. It's really nice. I highly recommend going. So Rowan was seen as a tree that could protect you from witches, fairies, ghosts, and other evil spirits. And this kind of depended on where you were in the world. So I think Scotland were really keen on the protection from witches. In Ireland, it was fairies, well, evil fairies. Maybe there aren't any good fairies. I don't know much about fairies. Oh, no, we've got loads of good fairies. Oh, good. Okay, yeah. So, but and there was something about apparently if you put, I don't know if it was a sprig or if you put a bunch of rowan on your doorway at a certain time of year, you could watch the fairies' procession without harm coming to you. Oh, wow. Oh, that sounds amazing. It really made me want to do it. So maybe yeah. we should have a go. I want to see a fairy procession. <laughs> me too. <laughs> So the idea of the rowan tree as a protective tree is pretty widespread, which is interesting. And um, there are lots of theories as to why this might have been. Uh, so one of them is that the berries are, are bright red, and red has traditionally been a, a color of protection. So you get these massive bunches of very, very red berries. Uh, they're also very beautiful, so there's a chance that people had already planted them outside their homes, and then they were seen as a protective symbol for the home. But the berries also, and I find this super, super cool, on the underside of the berry, as opposite the stem, there's the shape of a pentagram underneath, a little five-pointed star. Uh, which has also traditionally been a symbol of protection. That's really cool. To me, that seems like a completely reasonable reason why someone would be like, right, well, this is clearly magical. Yeah, it's like they've been secretly designated by the, you know, the good witches and fairies to protect you. 
got their little like secret calling card. So how how were they used then, Alice? Um, so they used the wood of the rowan trees to make crosses, um, and these were like crosses that they had with them for protection. Um, they tended to make equal armed crosses and amulets as well by creating a loop of the rowan, and sometimes they would tie it together with a red thread. This might have been red, also dyed with the um, dyed red with the berries. Yeah, and then they used to put the little crosses and amulets in doorways and in barns and stables and on railings and church gates and lots of different places for protection. And people would sew it into the linings of their coats and things like that, which which makes sense because it was meant to be, as well as protection against witches and evil, it was meant to protect travellers as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's really cool. Lots of things to do with travel would be made out of rowan wood as well, like staffs and cartwheels and sometimes boats apparently I saw oh wow maybe not big boats I don't know I don't know it's not a huge tree so I'd imagine you couldn't make like a massive boat out of rowan but anyway and there were lots of really weird geographically specific ways that you were meant to harvest the wood right like in some places not everywhere there were some places where you were never meant to use a knife on rowan so you had to like get the wood without without taking a knife to it because that was considered really bad luck. Some places had very specific rules about exactly how you could get the rowan. So, for example, in North Yorkshire, the tradition was that you could only harvest it. Is that what I want to say? Yeah. Cut it? Yeah. Um, So it had to be on St. Helen's Day and you had to find a rowan tree that you didn't already know about and you had to cut the rowan with a household knife that you had brought from your home that day and then you also had to return home via a different route that you came from. So all very specific rules on how you might um, find yourself some ruin. That sounds super annoying. Like a lot of faft. <laughs> yeah, but also a bit like a fun mission. Maybe. It's like today we go find a ruin that we don't know about. Yeah, I sort of feel like um, you feel like you're a little hobbit leaving the shire in search for your ruin tree. That's who you and I are anytime we leave anywhere as little hobbits leaving the Shire. <laughs> Bringing all of our tea supplies with us. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, oh, we also need to talk about two facts that I found really cool. One being that they would sometimes put rowan, like rowan twigs or rowan amulets on, on people's graves. And I think, oh, yeah, from what I've seen, like in some places that was to protect the souls of the dead. And in other places, it was more because rowan was meant to protect against ghosts. So it was meant yeah. to stop the dead from becoming ghosts. Yeah, so they also used the rowan twigs to stir the milk to prevent the milk from curdling. Um, maybe because they thought that evil spirits or witches caused milk to curdle in the first place and the rowan would also ward off those evil spirits. I feel like I've heard something about witches causing milk to curdle somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely heard that before. Yeah, I think it's a thing. Let's talk about the Beltane Festival. I think we call it a festival. So Beltane is halfway between spring equinox and the summer solstice, so roughly the 1st of May. And it's thought of as the first of summer. Um, So the cattle are taken to their new summer pastures, and so there are a bunch of rituals uh, to protect the livestock, and I think also to protect the people in the village, because they had these, these massive bonfires, didn't they? Yes, yeah, so the, the major event was the Baltian bonfire. These were made of nine different types of wood for protection, and one of those is rowan. 
And they would, uh, they, I don't know if this was everywhere, but they would put out their household fires and then relight them all from the Beltane fires. Yeah. So they would tie sprigs of rowan to their livestock, cows, horses and sheep, and they would get them to jump through hoops and that kind of thing to try and give them that um, added protection. Like hoops of rowan or? Yeah. How would they do that, do you think? I have no idea. Can you imagine getting one of your sheep to like jump through a hoop of rowan? No, they would really not want to do that. So I'm quite surprised by that. Yeah, and sometimes people and cattle would leap over the bonfires, which seems absolutely insane to me. But I'm very risk averse, so... Uh, Great, let's move on to stories. So, um... My favourite story is Hebe and the Cup of Ambrosia because that just makes me think about custard. I imagine that that was the food of the gods. (laughs) A tin of ambrosia custard. Uh, I might be wrong there. They're sitting there with a plastic cup. Yeah, just tin opener, spoon, eating it cold out of the tin. Um, I presume that's what they did. I might be wrong. No, you're never wrong. (laughs) Infallible Alice is what they call you. So Hebe and the cup of ambrosia, which was the nectar of the gods or the food of the gods, which they ate to stay immortal. So Hebe was the daughter of Zeus and Hera, and she was the cupbearer to the gods and goddesses. And she lost the cup of ambrosia (laughs) to the demons. How did she lose the cup of ambrosia to the demons? Did she just like really carelessly lose it? I mean, I guess if she's the goddess of youth, she might just be a bit of an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Hebe lost her cup of custard and (laughs) anyway, Hebe lost it, um, found an eagle to try and recover it from these demons. And in this struggle, there was like feathers and blood that fell to earth. And then that became, it became a rowan tree. (laughs) That makes so much sense because the leaves of the rowan tree look a lot like feathers in a way. Yeah. Great. I'm going to tell you the story about Thor and... This is the reason that one of the names for Rowan Tree is Thor's helper. Thor is the Norse thunder god. He's also the god of a bunch of other things, but thunder is like his main kind of USP. So this is the myth of Thor the thunder god and the giant Girod in Norse mythology. We have Loki, who's this shape-shifting trickster god. He dresses up as a bird and he goes and perches in the rafters of the giant Girod's house. And he's kind of checking things out. But then he gets spotted. There's this weird looking bird up in the rafters and they decide to catch it and see what's up. And when they do, it turns out to be Loki. And so I think they maybe like keep him captive until he begs to be let out and kind of negotiates and says that if you let me out, I will bring Thor to you unarmed. Uh, and for some reason, Girod hates Thor and wants to kill him. Sometimes they just do. <laughs> That's it, right? So Girod hates Thor and Thor is clearly in the dark about this because Loki goes back to Thor and is like, there's this giant Girod and he's got this amazing home and it's super luxurious and comfortable and we should definitely go there on holiday. And Thor's like, excellent, I'll come. I'll grab my trusty hammer and then I'll be right with you. Loki is like, no, 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 you can't bring your hammer or any weapons because, you know, they're not going to let us stay and and holiday there if we come armed to the teeth. And Thor thinks, oh, well, fair enough. So he leaves all of his weapons. I'm surprised that Thor leaves his hammer, you know? I thought, I didn't think he would do that. Well, apparently after this story, he never does again. So. Oh, I see. 
this is why I think that then. (laughs) So they set off on this big journey and on the way they spend a night at the giantess Grid's house. So at Grid's house, uh, Thor tells her that they're on their way to Girod's place and she says, ooh, he's not to be trusted at all. You you should really have some weapons with you. And Thor says, oh, well, I've left mine at home. And like a very good host, Grid lends him her, um, oh, I need to look at my notes. A protective belt. Yes, what? <laughs> I'm cheating. Her protective belt, her iron glove, and her unbreakable staff. Thor and Loki leave Grid's house with many thanks, and then they come to this river called the River Vimur. It's quite a big river, and they need to get across it, so Thor straps Loki to him with Grid's belt, and he begins to cross. But as they're crossing, the waves start to get higher and higher, and the flow starts to get faster, and it becomes more and more treacherous. And here's where I feel like this happens a lot with myths, where you get differing accounts. And there was one very polite one that said that Gerard's daughter, Gjalp, who's another giantess but an evil giantess was like making waves with her hands in the river and then another one said that she was urinating in the river and another one said she was either urinating or menstruating into the river i think urinating is the most popular uh angle for this so let's go with that interesting so she's peeing into the river which is making and because she's a giant giantess just making the river swell and massive waves And Thor sees this and he finds a rock and hurls it at her genitals and says like something to the effect of the river must be stemmed at its source. So I guess he hits her right in the pubic region with a rock, which, I mean, I guess, you know, if you're in danger of dying is fair enough. Yeah, I guess. But anyway, the flow is still really, really strong. So Thor and Loki are being swept downstream toward the underworld. Then... Uh, here's our hero moment. A rowan tree bends itself over the river so that Thor can grab on and haul himself and Loki out of the river. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that is our heroic rowan tree and the helper of Thor. It's quite a, a tiny bit of the story. He then goes on to Girod's house and Girod's daughters try to kill him by lifting up his chair and smashing him against the roof. Of course. But he uses Grid's magical staff to repel himself off the roof and smash them down and then he with the iron glove that grid gave him throws some molten metal of some kind through the middle of girard killing him uh very quickly thor wins never leaves home without his hammer again so yeah that is the story of thor and girard slash the rowan tree So there's another connection to Thor, um, because Thor's wife, Sif, is said to have been born off the rowan tree. The one that rescued him from the river. Yes, the same rowan tree. (laughs) Is it meant to be the exact same one? I think it is supposed to be the same one, but I'm not 100% sure. Oh, cool. I like it when they just say that a god is born of a tree or an inanimate object. Yeah, and you're (laughs) like, well, how does that work? There was the tree, and then there was her, and... You're not really clear about the in-between. I guess who am I to understand what the provenance of the gods? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they know. They're sitting up there with their um, cans of ambrosia just being like, they don't understand those mere mortals. <laughs> Rolling their eyes at us, which, you know, fair enough. Yeah. We are, we are messing things up. I would judge us. <laughs> 
we we hope you've enjoyed listening to our lighthearted podcast and it's been a little relief from everything else going on in the world. Alice is a is a master amazing cook person and so we'll try to put up some recipes not for the plants that we do that are poisonous we'll avoid doing recipes for those but the ones that are non-poisonous or even better yet edible we'll try to do some recipes about that um that will be great yeah and that way you can occupy yourself between episodes doing some fun stuff yeah i'm gonna see if i can find some rowan berries and get our first rowan apple and rosemary jelly recipe posted somewhere Perfect. That sounds great. And one day maybe we'll um, crack out one of the horrible enemy Rowan jelly things and you and I can have a taste and maybe you'll mature beautifully and be absolutely amazing. But I have strong doubts about that. It was truly terrible. Like truly (laughs) awful. In the meantime, have a lovely couple of weeks. Take care of each other. Be nice to each other. Be safe. Yeah. Um, Wear a mask. Have a vaccine. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to Twigged. Yes. (laughs) 